Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll give them a call. You can visit the website and find out more. Johnson'sAirConditioning.com Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is LifeInNaples.net we have terrific guests for today's show, including Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator and soon-to-be Senate president in Tallahassee. We'll also visit with Boo Mortensen. Uh, Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. And Linda Harden, my wife, will be with us as well. She writes uh, greetings from Paradise. It is November the 23rd, and on this day in 1876, William Boss Tweed, leader of New York City's corrupt Tammany Hall political organization during the 1860s and 70s, was delivered to authorities in New York City after his capture in Spain. Tweed became a powerful figure at Tammany Hall, New York City Democratic uh, political machine. In the late 1850s, by the mid-60s, he had risen to the top position in the organization and formed the Tweed Ring, which openly bought votes, encouraged judicial corruption, extracted millions from city contracts, and dominated New York City politics. The Tweed Ring reached its peak of fraudulence in 1871 with the remodeling of City Courthouse, a blatant embezzlement of city funds that was exposed by the New York Times. Tweed and his flunkies hoped the criticism would blow over, but thanks to the efforts of opponents such as Harper's weekly political cartoonist Thomas Nast, who conducted a crusade against Tweed, virtually every Tammany Hall member was swept from power in the elections of November 1871. All the Tweed Ring was subsequently tried and sentenced to prison. Boss Tweed served time for forgery and larceny and other charges, but in 1875 he escaped from prison and traveled to Cuba and Spain. In 1876 he was arrested to Spanish police, who reportedly recognized him from a famous Nast cartoon depiction. After Tweed's extradition to the United States, he was returned to prison, where he died in 1878. Thomas Nast's political cartoons brought down Tammany Hall. It is true, a picture's worth a thousand words. Just amazing how effective those cartoons were, were back in the day. Real statements about politics. Well, the Florida Gators fired Dan Mullen, a head coach, football coach, Sunday, a, uh, a day after an overtime loss to Missouri. It was the Gators' sixth loss in a hugely disappointing 2021 season and their fourth loss in four SEC road games. It wasn't the only big loss the Gators suffered this weekend. By parting ways with Mullen, Scott Strickland and Athletic Department Director will also part with $12 million owed to the coach for terminating his contract. He signed a three-year deal uh, in June that meant to him in Gainesville through 2026 the extension came with a raise that made him the sixth highest paid coach in the country at $7.57 million annually. I wonder if there's going to be any repercussions for those making the hiring decision. Probably not. It's much better to be a failed football coach than a vaccine-hesitant first responder, that's for sure. Well, thousands of active-duty Marines will miss the Marine Corps and Navy uh, November 28 deadline to be fully vaccinated, as ordered by the F- Biden's administration's military vaccine mandate. 
about 91% of active duty Marines and 66% of Marines and reservists are fully vaccinated as of the last Wednesday, according to the Marine Corps. This still leaves as many as 10,000 active duty Marines not fully vaccinated, according to the Washington Post, which the paper characterized as a vexing outcome. The thousands of Marines who joined almost 10,000 Air Force personnel who did not comply with a vaccine mandate by the deadline will likely be thousands more non-complying with the Army deadline looming on December the 15th. The non-compliance poses a challenge to the Biden administration, which has threatened consequences, including separation from military service for service members who do not comply with the mandate. The Biden administration has even opposed taking dishonorable discharges off the table for service members who don't comply. Well, the Marine Corps issued a uh, warning last month that Marines who do not comply would be kicked out. A number of Marines have applied for religious accommodation from the vaccine mandate, but the services still said it will not release any numbers until the deadline is passed. According to a number of reports and statements from the service themselves, no service has been uh, has granted any service member religious exemption from the vaccine mandate. The Pentagon has argued that members need to be ready to deploy, which includes being vaccinated against COVID-19. At the same time, members of the military skew younger and healthier than the average population in general and do not appear to suffer any severely uh, or suffer severely from COVID-19 infection. This is uh, just bad policy. And again, I think Biden's going to end up with the short end of this stick because he's going to have to deal with the reduced uh, first responders, reduced military, uh, and some of these people, for example, the <clears throat> uh, Navy SEALs, uh, it costs a lot of money to put those people in place, and if they end up quitting, it's going to be really splash badly on this administration. And, by the way, the vaccines haven't been proven long-term to be effective. Well, the Sunshine State is continuing to defy the opinions and attacks offered by members of the far left and establishment media reporting the lowest coronavirus cases per capita in the United States. As of Monday, Florida continued to report the lowest case rate per 100,000, standing at 7, per the New York Times' latest tally. Florida's daily average of cases stood at 1,437 as of Monday, a decrease of 2% over the last two weeks. Blue states, famous for their lockdowns, continue to struggle to catch up to Florida in terms of low cases. Uh, Whitmer, there in Michigan, for example, is reporting a daily average of 8,780 cases, or 88 per capita, not seven, but 88. That represents an increase of 78% in the last two weeks. Last week, state health leaders issued another health advisory urging everyone over the age of two to wear a mask, regardless of their vaccination status. Governor Tom Wolf's uh, Pennsylvania, he's the governor, uh, which put under lockdown for months on end, is now struggling reporting a daily average of 5,903 or 46 cases per 100,000. That represents an increase of 43% in the last two weeks. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis noted the phenomenon during his press conference in Brandon, Florida, on Thursday, which he signed legislation aimed to protect workers from mandatory vaccine requirements. They won't tell you that this, but Florida, like almost a month, has been nearly uh, either the lowest or one of the lowest COVID cases in the entire country, he said. You see it surging in other parts. The corporate media, they don't like it when it surges in other parts. They only like it when it surges in places they don't like, he said, like Florida, of course. And so I don't know if they're going to even going to cover that, but seeing it happening and it was something that was obviously predictable, the governor added. 
Congratulations, Governor, making good decisions in terms of health care and the economy here in Florida, and we're all reaping the benefits and avoiding the problems in these other blue states. Well, during an interview aired Monday evening, uh, evening in the edition of Fox News' Tucker Carlson show, Kyle Rittenhouse urged President Joe Biden to watch his trail, watch the trial, and understand the, the facts before you make a statement. I don't know if you saw the interview last night, but it was really pretty interesting. Kyle Rittenhouse is somewhat of a humble, kind person, frankly. He just, <laughs> the way he's been characterized is just exactly the opposite. He also said Biden calling him a white supremacist is acting with malice. And then he had an attorney looking into holding people who have spread falsehoods about him accountable. Britain also uh, criticized the media coverage, saying it actually quite hysterical about how nobody can go back and look at the facts of the case. He crossed state lines. False. He's a white supremacist. That's false. None of that is true. And the lies that just get, get away with and spreading, it's just sickening and it's a disgrace to the country, said Kyle Rittenhouse. After the subject of holding people who lied about him accountable came up, Rittenhouse said, I have really good lawyers who are taking care of that right now, so I'm hoping one day there will be some, there will be accountability for the actions they did. He also said that he was uh, used for a cause by his former attorneys, Lynn Wood, boy did I get that guy wrong, and John Pierce, he said that, that he stayed in jail longer than he needed to because Wood and Pierce would we're trying to raise money so they can take it for their own benefit, not to set me free, said Rittenhouse. Hmm. So those were his previous attorneys. Rittenhouse said, I was in jail for 87 days. This goes that follows it that in with Lynn Wood, who Lynn Wood was raising money on my behalf, and he held me in jail for 87 days, disrespected my wishes, put me on media interviews, which I should never have done which he said, oh, you're going to talk to the Washington Post, which was not a good idea. Along with John Pierce, they said oh, I was safer in jail instead of at home with my family. He also argued that there are a lot of prosecutorial misconduct in the criminal justice system and stated that if prosecutors can do what they did to him, imagine what they could have done to a person of color who doesn't maybe have the resources I do or it's not widely publicized like my case, he said. Good point, Kyle Rittenhouse. Uh, really, really a, a shame, miscarriage of justice that he was ever brought to trial in the first place. But what an outstanding young man. He demonstrated that during the trial and also in that interview last night with Tucker Carlson. Amazing stuff. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator, that and more. Right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music, 
in a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambos says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. Golden Gate Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected into the community and with each other. The Golden Gate Senior Center provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Tatiana Fortune, director of the Golden Gate Senior Center. We want to be able to connect you to whatever service or activity. And even if the person doesn't want to come out for socialization, if they have a question about, um, hey, where do I go for transportation? Where do I go for uh, a certain health care? If they have a need, we are able to point them in that direction through our information and referral service. So we're more than happy to assist in that as well. To find out more, visit CallYourSeniorResources.org. That's CallYourSeniorResources.org. Or call the Senior <laughs> Center directly at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, we have with us our state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, just listening to that uh, commercial for the Golden Gate uh, Senior Center in, uh, in uh, Golden Gate just reminds me, this is a time of year where it's important to have family and friends around, and some people just over the holidays, that's a great place for seniors to go if, in fact, uh, they're just all alone over the holidays. Absolutely. They do so many wonderful programs. Uh, you know, a lot of our seniors who are down here are isolated. They are alone, and, and it's sad because many of them came down from up north when they were younger, uh, usually husband and wife, just after retirement, and they've lived here number of years one of them passes away the kids are all up, up north and come down you know only occasionally and so there's a lot of uh loneliness and isolation and the senior center does a, a marvelous job of connecting them to one another and, and services and there's some great programs and projects that they do and fun things so i'm i just think uh, that they're doing a terrific job Absolutely. CallYourResources.org is the website. I hope you check it out and make a referral. If somebody's all alone, make sure they have some company over Thanksgiving. Great place, great resource here in Collier exactly. County. 
So uh, last week we had the historic uh, special session, and I wanted to get your thoughts uh, after it's all concluded, how it all went. Well, it, it was very interesting. You know, originally we started out talking about is uh, completely uh, banning vaccine mandates uh, for businesses and, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, companies. That was, you know, one issue, uh, banning vaccine mandates for medical workers and um, uh, banning vaccine mandates for government, uh, you know, local governments and state governments. So there's kind of those three issues in addition to um, prohibiting uh, mass mandates in the schools. So, you know, if we break it down with regard to the um, businesses, that's a, that's a tricky issue because we do believe in allowing businesses to operate uh, in the state uh, to do what they think is best for their employees. Um, but they were caught between a rock and a hard place because OSHA, federal government, was uh, mandating vaccines, and many of them went along with it, um, and then we passed uh, a law prohibiting that ban, um, and OSHA backed down. So we're, we, we are thought, thinking that OSHA, um, in response to what we did in other states, did back down on their mandate for uh, non-health care workers. Uh, it's important to note that we provide alternatives for businesses like Disney and others that were concerned about you know, the number of people that would be coming to their parks, particularly from up north, who might have... Uh, you know, COVID issues, and we gave them alternatives. So they can require PPE, they can do testing. A lot of people have already had COVID and have the antibodies. So there are about six or seven uh, ex exceptions. Uh, uh, and so I think for businesses, what we did works. It's a common sense solution to, to this issue. With regard to medical, that's a problem because uh, CMS federally mandated that all healthcare workers need to be vaccinated um, or the, their, the hospitals, et cetera, could lose Medicaid funding. Um, we passed a, a bill that uh, prohibited vaccine mandates. However, if the federal government uh, trumps us <laughs> uh, through the supremacy clause, we're, we may have to back down. Mm. Um, and, it's, of course, it's very challenging for, um, you know, healthcare workers, many of them whom do not want to get vaccinated, particularly younger women who want to get pregnant or whatever. So that's hanging out there. Uh, state and local governments, no vaccine mandates. And then uh, schools, no uh, mask mandates, which... This, pretty much schools are all in line with at this point. So that's a synopsis of what we did last yeah, week. Yeah, well, thank you. Good summary there. I mean, it, it's, it's very disappointing to me, quite frankly, that uh, OSHA, for example, would, quote-unquote, back down uh, on You'd like to think that they're focused on health care policy and what's best for employees and so forth. It's all become so political, and it's so unfortunate. Well, OSHA, uh, we're glad they backed down because they were mandating vaccines. Yeah. For uh, businesses, so it, it's it's good that they back down, and um, you know hopefully they will stay backed down. Um, and uh, the healthcare workers are is very troublesome because uh, CMS, which is federal, is uh, threatening to withhold funding, and so we're going to have to uh, let that play out. We've challenged that rule. Um, 
many states have challenged that rule, and we'll see how that works out. Yeah. Uh, thanks for clarifying, because my point was this, that they probably should have never had the mandate in the first place. Exactly. Because it was just totally, no, they should. It was politically yeah. motivated and so unfortunate. Yes. And, and unfortunately, and what that's leading to is a lack of trust for some of these agencies that, like the CDC, people are beginning to say, what's right. going on here? It's unbelievable. Exactly. So, um, but, you know, we, we're we very, um, we're adamant that, you know, we want, we do not want federal overreach uh, into our um, our businesses, our, our health care facilities. You know, when you think about it, the uh, hospitals and, and health care workers, they work for almost two years mm-hmm. without, many of them without vac- vaccines, without any kind of protection, and now with mandating that they get vaccinated, yeah, it, it, it just flies in the face of common sense. It does. I mean, not only uh, either get vaccinated or lose your job, but thank you for your service. <laughs> it's pretty, exactly, pretty, exactly. It's yeah. just, just so, amazing. Um, I think, you know, and the bills were uh, voted on party lines. Um, they're. Uh, you know, there was some of our Democratic colleagues uh, would like to have voted on it, but they voted in favor of it because they understand um, the gravity of it. But, you know, sometimes you have to take a caucus position, and that's what they did. Yeah. So, uh, Kathleen, uh, it, just going forward, the governor now has come out saying, look, we've got inflation going on right now. It's hurting uh, Floridians, especially those who are in, in the middle class. And he's saying he wants to provide a billion dollars in gas tax relief in the next session. What are your thoughts? Well, I, you know, applaud the concept, uh, obviously. And as we talked over the years, uh, the less taxes that we levy on our citizens, the better it is. The um, caveat to me is we have to score it to see what, you know, what the impact on the budget will be. Yeah. And also, unfortunately, when you do these um, temporary uh, tax relief uh, programs, it's impossible to go back. Mm-hmm. And we, we've seen that with, uh, for example, homestead exemptions, which are really terrific, but there are certain areas in the state, particularly in the rural areas, where um, so many of the homes are, under the threshold, and there's no tax base. There's, like, uh, farmland, nonprofits, and houses that are under the threshold. So local governments are are constrained, fiscally constrained, from operating to provide essential services. And we hear that, for example, in Immokalee, the fire department is struggling uh, because there's no tax base to... um, uh, or there is a tax base, but it's too low to, to cover it. So you, know, you have to be careful about it. We want to reduce taxes, but we've got to figure out how to pay for essential services if we do that. Yeah, it's interesting you should bring that up because just this morning I was thinking about the fact that with inflation going on like it is, what are local governments going to do with uh, revenue when, in fact, there's this cap on homesteads uh, for people that own their homes if they can't see their the taxes go up more than a certain amount. I'm, I'm happy for the homestead exemption, but on the other hand, you know, governments have they're they're suffering from inflation too. Exactly. It, you know, it's a it's a challenge, um, and you know, Florida is uh, we don't have an in- state income tax, so um, our our revenues are derived from sales taxes and use you know user fees, etc., and um, alarm taxes, and if if uh, 
if those are reduced dramatically, then we're going to be reducing funding for, you know, local governments, essential, and, and schools. Right. Uh, they also have, um, of course, they have a sex, separate tax, but there's, you know, it, it's a challenge. And, you know, when I first elected, I was like, yeah, let's reduce taxes. And then I realized the impact on it, on our, our revenue uh, and our budget. So, yeah. you know, you have to just be... Um, you have to use some common sense when we're doing these things. And and I, I like where the governor's going. We'll just see the impact on the budget. Absolutely. Kathleen Pasadomo, again, our state senator. Uh, now's the time in the, in the year to be thankful. We're just very grateful that you're spending time with us weekly here on the Bob Harden Show, Kathleen. Thank you so much for joining us, and happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Happy Thanksgiving to you, and have a great day. And you as well. Thank you, Kathleen. All right, coming up, Boo Mortensen. We're going to find out what's new with Boo, that, and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgoing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of 1st Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse. Not only building a performing arts center in downtown Naples, it's going to be fantastic, but also bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now for great performances. Visit the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seat Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Now it's time to find out what's new with Boo. Boo Mortensen right here on the Paradise Coast. Boo, how are you doing? 
Well, I'm doing well. I'm getting uh, ready for Thanksgiving. It's going to be here in a few days. We have a lot of people, a lot of food, a lot of activity. I can't wait. And so, then they all leave and I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah, with a lot of dirty dishes. So, uh, hey, Boo, are you finding that the cost for Thanksgiving is higher this year? Bob, the cost of everything is crazy. Yeah. It's, it's jaw-dropping. Yeah, I'm, I am just shocked at, you know, you go to Publix or anywhere, you get a few things and you're, you've got a grocery bill of $100 and, you, and you've carried out what you bought in two little bags. Yeah. It's, it's scary. The cost of gas is, everything is up. I mean, significantly. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a real problem here for, especially for, you know, for people that have wealth or have a, a significant means, it's, it hurts them a little bit and don't like it. But my goodness, some people, it changes their lifestyle. They can't afford to do things they used to do. And it's a very unfortunate. It's, a, it's the tax that affects everybody. And it's a regressive tax. It hurts the, uh, the little guy the most. Right. So, yeah. It's, I don't know if, how, when, if the end is in sight in this, I don't know. See, I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. Yeah, I don't either. So, Boo, I understand uh, you're standing up for uh, the Women's Tennis Association. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yep, I'm getting on my soapbox. Okay, good. And so, you know, for years, Western athletes, celebrities, corporations have all kind of folded if they have done something uh, that China disagrees with, like if they brought up sensitive tub topics like Tibet's independence. Mm -hmm. So this tennis player, this Chinese tennis player, was ranked number 14th in the world. So she's, she's got some chops. She's widely recognized in China. She accused a senior official of sexual assault, and then she magically disappears. <laughs> the thing that I think is remarkable is that the guy that's head of the Women's Tennis Association, Steve Simon, he has said, Nope, we are not going to fold in this. We are going after you. We don't believe what you're telling us. And we are ready to put millions of dollars on the line because we believe in human rights over the money. I think it's remarkable. The NBA, you know, remember when uh, one of the players in the NBA disagreed with uh, China's strong-arming Hong Kong? Mm -hmm. And, boy, did they couldn't backtrack out of that fast enough. The little uh, Women's Tennis Association has said, nope, we're not playing by your games. And they stand to lose millions because they signed a 10-year contract hmm. to have these games played in China. And the purse is very, very big for women. So this is really extraordinary. And, you know, the Communist Party is not our friend. And... What they've done, what I read in the paper, it said that they have weaponized economic power mm -hmm. to achieve political compliance. Which makes this even more interesting is that the Winter Olympics, where are they going to be in February? China. Beijing. Yeah, it's, it's, thanks for bringing that up. And you're right, the Tennis Association, uh, Women's Tennis Association, doesn't have the power of the NBA, and yet they're standing up. It's a David versus a Goliath type of thing, uh, to mix yeah. metaphors. And uh, I'm I just very proud of them. And uh, you know what? It looks like uh, uh, Communist China, the par political party, is backing down. Well, I think they're very suspicious 
uh, in what they've done. They've, you know, none of this you can corroborate. Mm -hmm. So they've said, oh, here she is in a video. Uh, Ah. It's all very scripted. It's all very careful. I'm suspicious. Uh Uh-huh. Interesting. I think they could say to her, if you don't smile in front of the camera and say everything is fine, I love my world, I love my country, you'll never play tennis again. You don't know what kind of gun they've put to her head. Good point. Uh, well, they don't respect human values. China's not our friend. No, it's a, well, China's our friend. C- Communist Chinese Party is not our friend. They are correct. They are yes. uh, international criminal. They're an international criminal organization, quite frankly, and what they've done to steal international technology and IT and all the things that they're doing right now is not on behalf of the Chinese people. It's really for the benefit of the Chinese populace of the party, and it's just very unfortunate. Now, there is a, a point. Well, uh, it's going to be interesting because there's a lot on the line here. You know, now the Olympic, the International Olympic Committee, the IOC, you know, they're standing in and they've looked at the video and they say, oh, looks okay to me. Mm-hmm. You know, they want full steam ahead to have the Olympics in Beijing. It'll be interesting if more people say, no, nah, no, nope, we're not going. We don't support. It's not money over morals. It's a good thing. I, I will point out there's a center on the uh, Boston Celtics, and now his name escapes me, frankly, but uh, he has been outspoken against uh, the Uyghurs uh, being persecuted, the, uh, the the group of Muslims in uh, in China, and uh, how they've been exploited for, for uh, inexpensive labor and so forth. So uh, he's been very outspoken, and uh, you know what's happened? His playing time has actually gone up for the Boston Celtics. So there's some encouragement on that front, too. Perhaps other people were beginning to say, uh, no mas. Not, you know what? I, I, I hope so. Yeah. I mean, ca- courage is contagious. Once somebody steps up, like, for example, the Women's Tennis Association, other people begin to look sideways and say, well, maybe we should stand up, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I give this guy credit, this uh, Steve Simon. He said, I'm not playing ball with him. Yeah. Well. Where's this player? We want her back out. Uh, we're not going to cave into this. She was sexually assaulted. Hold the official responsible, not her. Yeah, absolutely. But we we'll always appreciate your commentary and appreciate you getting on your soapbox today. <laughs> well, I felt it was necessary. I Abs- kind of feel strongly about this, and it'll be fascinating to see where it goes. Absolutely. On the other hand, we all have a lot to be grateful for. We do, and I'm grateful that you're here on the show every week and just uh, thankful for coming on. So, Boo, I hope you and your family have a great Thanksgiving. Thanks for joining us. And to you as well. Thanks. Thanks, Boo. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Modley, the founder and president of Less Government. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. You suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees. I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months, finally having exhausted all alternatives for pain management. Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. 
I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. It's now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Linda Harden. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Seton, tell us about Less Government. Yeah, we exist to reduce society's scope and sphere of influence of government, and a lot of Demo uh, Republicans do not. It's true. In fact, you wrote about it in your latest column. Would D.C. Republicans please stop voting for D.C. Democrat socialism? I think we kind of know what you're talking about. What interesting observations you made in the column, though. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, it's, it's been this schizophrenic messaging for months now from Republicans in Washington. We, you and I have discussed before how I oppose the, the alleged infrastructure bill. One, because only about 5% of the $1.2 trillion actually went to infrastructure. Right. And two, only about 5% of the infrastructure in America is owned by the federal government. Right. 95% of it is either privately owned or owned by states and municipalities. Yep. And as we know... If you're a state or a municipality that's behind on its roads, you're probably a Democrat state. <laughs> that's so right. what this bill was was a huge bailout for crony private companies that got the contracts to build the roads and then didn't maintain them, or crony bailouts for local governments, Democrat governments, who got ta who ta taxed us to fix the roads and bridges and didn't do it. Right. So... The, the, the Republicans are simultaneously voting for that while messaging against the alleged, you know, human infrastructure, whatever monstrosity it ends up being. That is completely schizophrenic and inconsistent messaging. And as I had, I had an argument with a guy who was defending McConnell. He's a, he's a player in D.C. And he's defending McConnell. And I said, you do realize no one in D.C. 
was messaging against spending trillions of dollars on roads they don't own. Everybody agreed that's a great idea. So yeah. the next time Democrats want to spend trillions of dollars on roads they don't own, the Republicans were on the record saying, we agree. Yeah. That's a good idea. You know, see, it's, it's amazing. It's not that we couldn't take $1.2 trillion and apply it to, uh, for example, the grid to a number, to the wall, <laughs> completing the wall on the southern border. And there, you could go on. There's a number of right. things that could benefit our country, create more national security, make it a better place to live. Uh, but you're absolutely right. Some of this stuff is going, for example, union jobs. All contracts have to be union. And, uh, right. And, all, uh, and a lot of it was climate already. That. That's a, that's another con job they ran. When they, they say this one's the climate bill, this next one's the climate bill. No, the last one was the climate uh, yeah, bill too. Yeah, it spent more on climate crap than it did on roads and bridges. Yeah, I mean, uh, would it be the responsibility of local vendors and people who are enterprising to build, for example, stations to uh, fuel up electric cars, than uh, to have the federal government? There's, yeah, there's more money spent on. Electric vehicle charging stations. Yes. I think it's $30 billion on that stupidity. Yeah. When less than 1% of the cars on the road are electric vehicles. And again, I point out, it's fake energy. If the government has to spend money on it, it's not real energy. Does the government have to fund gas stations? The answer is no, because petroleum pays for itself. So all of this is just a, a giant... It's a, it's a scam. It's, it's, you know, 80% of the green money Obama spent in the stimulus, the 2009 stimulus, went to donors, went to Obama donors. Because yep. they, they donated to Obama, rushed to set up fake energy companies, and then Obama handed him stimulus money. Uh, it's, 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 and, and, you know, it's not, it's a, it's a complete scam. The, the average, no one's trained to do this. The only people that are trained to do this are cronies of government. The, you know, the, it, it's kind of like getting a, a, a teaching degree from college. The yeah. only thing you can do with your teaching degree is teach. It's a closed circle. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and, and, and Republicans are doing this all the time. There's a guy uh, in, uh, I've already forgotten it. I wrote, I wrote it last week. I've already forgotten. But there's a Republican who's co-sponsoring a bill to rate cap loans. Which is communism. It's yeah. socialism. You can't cap it. You can't. The last time we rate capped gasoline, we had lines in the 70s miles long. Yep. And again, the Republicans are running. They're counting in 2022 on being the we're not them party. They're insane. We're not. They have crummy policies. We're not. Well, that message is muddled if the Republicans are co-sponsoring stupid Democrat socialist legislation in D.C. Because then you're like, well, wait a minute. If you're not them, why do you keep voting with them? Incredible. And caps, for example, on interest rates on loans, I mean, that's such a mistake. And it's going to simply uh, make it so its uh, credit is unavailable for the little guy or for the somebody that might need a loan for a week or two weeks, you know, these paycheck loan things. Uh, you know, again, government should be would be wise just to stay out of private enterprise and let the system work for itself. Well, there are. I, I've been thinking about this. That most economic sectors have 
private incentive to not screw up, not screw the customer. You know, if an oil company has an oil spill, that's bad. That's bad for them. Right. That's money lost. That's money lost on the oil. That's money lost on the cleanup. They have an inherent incentive to not have that happen. It's also, you know, weeks and weeks of bad publicity. They have they have built in incentives. The one sector I have found where there is no inherent uh, economic incentive to do the right thing is big tech. Yep. Big tech collects your data, and there's no incentive. The the incentive is to keep collecting all your data and not stop. Uh, The oil company, if they spill oil, that's an incentive not to spill oil. Right. Big data, if if they slow their collection of data, it costs them money. So that's the one sector where the economic incentive is turned on its head. Oh, that's a great point, Seton. Well... Uh, fortunately, we're seeing Getter and some of these other countries that are coming around that uh, it's beginning to, you know, uh, I don't know why, the, uh, for example, Facebook continues or Twitter continues to get the business they do. Of course, it's a worldwide operation. They don't, some of the other countries around the world don't have the issues that we have with these companies. But nevertheless. Yes, they do. They do? Yes, they do. They do? Oh, yeah. It's, it's global. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. In fact, they're... they're 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 further along on the privacy legislation train than we are. Yeah, we don't have any privacy legislation at all. Um, they most other countries do. No, this is a this is a global fight to be sure. Yeah, Seat Miley again, the founder and president of Less Government, encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org and take a look at the column. Would D.C. Republicans please stop voting for D.C. Democrat socialism? And of course, a lot of other great content on the website. Again, lessgovernment.org. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seaton, always appreciate your commentary here in the show, and I just hope that you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. I'm grateful you come on the show periodically. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours and all your listeners, which I'm sure are yours, too. Thank you so much, Seaton. All right, coming up, we're going to be uh, visiting with Linda Harden. She is my wife. She also writes a very entertaining column, Greetings from Paradise. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year. And since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity maximize your tax deduction support your favorite charity 
and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. It's a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more by downloading the app from the choicesocial.us website. We have with us Linda Harden. She's well-informed. She also writes a terrific column. It's called Greetings from Paradise. She's also my lovely wife. Linda, thank you so much for joining us. Happy birthday, Eve. Oh, that's so nice. Well, thank Bob you. Bob Harden's birthday tomorrow. Thank you, Linda. I appreciate <laughs> letting the cat it's out like of the It's like the back. last thing you wanted me to bring up. Yeah, that's right? exactly right. But nevertheless, thank you for that. So uh, we had the pleasure and the privilege of watching a co- couple of Tucker Carlson Today episodes, one with uh, Dr. S- uh, Charles Charles Atlas, no, <laughs> Scott Atlas. he's dead. Yeah, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Atlas and, and another uh, with uh, Bobby Kennedy. And they were so, well, disturbing and interesting. What are your thoughts? Scott Atlas was was amazing, and and he didn't hold anything back. For those of you who are not aware of who Dr. Scott Atlas is, um, he he works out of Stanford, and and Trump brought him in to be on the um, the COVID nineteen advisory committee, along with uh, Deborah Birx, uh, Anthony Flip Fauci, and Dr. Uh, Redfield, who was then the head of the CDC, and. Um, Scott Atlas absolutely blew the lid off of everything that the other three were doing. It was absolutely amazing. Well, I will say this. When he did, what he did is he said, you know, I went to these meetings and he was just shocked and flabbergasted the fact that nobody came prepared with data to support their position. They, and they ignored they ignored whatever data was presented to them. Exactly. So, I mean, to, to me, he said, look, as a, as a disciplined accommodation, I don't think I said that correctly, but everybody gets what I need, mean. The point is that, uh, you know, you just don't go unprepared. You have to have information and data to back up your point of view. And he came. He was prepared. He had lots of it. Nobody else did. And they called, they called, they, they not only ignored what he said, they called him an outlier and just poo-pooed him. Yep. Um, what he revealed was that um, if... If Fauci or Burks or Redfield were fired, that they, all all of them were going to quit. Yeah. It was like a cabal within the the um, COVID nineteen task force that that Trump had put together. And Scott Atlas was absolutely horrified. By the way, he's coming out with a a book which I've already pre ordered called A Plague Upon Our House. Hmm. And in it, he he's talking about everything that happened there. Um, the fact that that this whole thing has been politicized, which you and I both. Have known for a good long time but he's been on um he was on maria bartiromo on sunday but his his talk with tucker carlson i mean tucker carlson's mouth was open because he was so 
uh, flabbergasted, flabbergasted by, by what Scott Atlas had to say. Yeah, so uh, for our listeners' benefit, there's, there's no exaggeration here. Uh, he, he, he is very measured in his comments, but what he says is very shocking. And uh, just, I think it's a must-see for anybody who's go to Tucker Carlson, go to uh, uh, Fox Nation, which is a paid site, but you get it free for, what, 30 days or 90 days? 90 days on TuckerCarlson.com, and it is so worth it. Just download yeah. it for, for these two interviews alone. I mean, there's a lot of good interviews, yeah. but Scott Atlas and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Well, that, that Robert F. Kennedy interview was really shocking. Yeah, and you know, I I, I appreciated Tucker Carlson um, coming on before the show because we were wondering how because Robert F. Kennedy has this way of talking that's really hard to understand. He's got a, an injured vocal cord or something like is that. Is that what it is? It's but he's he's extremely difficult to listen to. After about five minutes of listening to the interview, it begins you know you begin to get the cadence of what. Yeah, he's you, doing. you zone in on what he's saying, but um, you know, I was just I mean I kn- I've known a lot of this stuff. And I just, I haven't gotten into his book yet, um, The Truth About uh, Anthony Fauci, but what An- Robert F. Kennedy said, and he's a, you know, he's a lifelong Democrat, oh, by the way, this yeah. is not, this is not political for him. Right. This is, according to him, the quote he, he says, this is the hill we're going to die on, because what he said about Bill Gates and Anthony Fauci still gives me goosebumps. Yeah. That they want, Bill Gates wants everybody in the whole wide world vaccinated. Yeah. And that he got into this arrangement with Anthony Fauci that Anthony Fauci would benefit um, financially from all these vaccines that they've been patented for years and years and years. It's just chilling. It's, yeah, it's chilling. Yeah. Uh, follow the money. It's so interesting to see uh, Fauci should actually be in an orange jumpsuit. He should, he should be uh, not in his job, and, and he should be brought to trial and uh, brought to account for his crimes, I think, against humanity, quite frankly, for his position. Everything, the solution to everything, according to Fauci, is a vaccine. doesn't matter what it is. Right. And, and what uh, Robert Kennedy what, uh, goes through, what he uh, demonstrates, uh, cites, is the fact that so many illnesses have developed since vaccines that he just raises a lot of questions that should be addressed because it's hurting the uh, hurting our kids. Well, and, you know, he... he if you'll remember, I mean, I, I wrote an email to a lot of my contacts uh, last week, and I said, if you read three books, read a plague, uh, The Plague of Corruption by Judy Mikovits, mm-hmm. um, The Truth About Fauci by, um, by Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and A Plague Upon Our House by Scott Atlas. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. writes the foreword to Judy Mikovits, and she's, neither of them are, are anti-vaccine. Right. But they are... They are against all of this push for vaccines for everything. Right. And and what Robert F. Kennedy said last night um, about the diphtheria thing was, was really scary. And also about the fact that the polio vaccine, that there's so many more cases of polio that erupted after the polo, polio vaccine. In out. Africa. And then, so in other words, the Africa, what's happening right well, diphtheria. now. Diphtheria. Yeah, is the, uh, the uh, vaccines are being applied to Africans. And uh, a lot of them are getting very, very sick, and they, of course, don't have necessarily uh, uh, recourse, legal recourse uh, for the illnesses that are created. So it's it's uh, it's very interesting. Again, and if I'm not mistaken, uh, Kennedy's book is it being released yet? Well, yes, yes, it, it has. By the way, it went out. It it was released on the nineteenth. Yeah, it was released on the nineteenth, and it zoomed to number one immediately. Yeah, so it's a it's a great read. By the way, what an interesting comment. Uh, 
uh, Tucker Carlson thanked Bobby Kennedy for coming on the show, and he said it's the first time I've been invited on a major ner- network to speak about these issues in 15 years. That's so, amazing. So in other words, he's an outcast, and right now, and not a favored source of uh, good information. And as you can imagine, I'm sure none of his stuff is published on Facebook, YouTube. <laughs> you well, could- no, but did, remember he said last night on the show that, that he was so careful to document everything he's put on social media, so careful mm-hmm. that everything he says has been documented, documented times right. 10, and yet he's been thrown off Instagram, he's been thrown off YouTube. Um, this guy that, he, that he's, um, remember he, t- he said that he sued, who did he sue? The, not NIH, but the um, Department of Health and Human Services for the information that they wanted. He and Del Bigtree, and, and they finally said, that um, the information is not available. It doesn't exist. Right, it doesn't exist. But Del Bigtree has been thrown off YouTube. So, so all these people are being censored yeah. for speaking the truth. See, the, the the real problem that we have right now, I think, is the the attack on the First Amendment. We're seeing, uh, if you don't agree with the administration or don't agree with this particular uh, point of view of about COVID or, or just a number of things. Uh, then you're censored, and uh, your, your point of view doesn't count. You're not able to express your view. This is very, very troubling for uh, a free economy and very troubling for, uh, for a, a republic like the United States. Well, and, and what did Robert F. Kennedy say, too, is that, is that um, they're dismantling the Bill of Rights for us. They're dismantling the Constitution um, right before our eyes. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're just, they've closed churches, but you could open, you know, we have a right to worship. Yeah. We have a right to speak, right? But they're they're absolutely um, erasing them before our eyes. Yeah, it's that, it's chilling. It is chilling, and if you think about the the founders of this country going to the Revolutionary War. Many of them be giving up their fortunes and their health, their uh, well being, their lives in order to create this wonderful country that we have in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, all evaporating right before our eyes in a year because of these mandates and the vaccines and all the things that are going on. It's, it's not about health. It's not about our health. All this is all about political power, and uh, it's just happening right before our eyes. And all for a quote-unquote virus that's over 99% survivable. Yeah. It's better odds than the regular flu. Again, Linda, uh, what are the three books again? Uh, the first, I, I highly recommend you read Judy Mikovits's Dr. Judy Mikovits. By the way, Fauci had her put in jail for yeah, no No, reason. I've read that book. It's great. But A Plague of Corruption. But people need to read it and read it again. And then um, The Plague Upon Our House by Scott Atlas. And the third one is The Truth About Anthony Fauci by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And it's flying off the shelves. Flying off the shelves. Linda, I just really appreciate uh, your commentary in the show. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Happy birthday. Oh, Eve. bless you indeed. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Tomorrow, we're going to visit with Bob Levy. He is the chairman of the Cato Institute. We'll be visiting with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz, and Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of several books. His latest is just coming out. It's a book that he wrote with Buzz Aldrin about the space program. His uh, latest book that's currently on the shelves is What Makes Humans Truly Extraordinary or Exceptional. Uh, I always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. 
bobhardenhotmail.com. Let me know if you'd like to sign up for the newsletter that I send out after each show as well, bobhardenhotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>